0: Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death... We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his."
1: And the second reading is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 15, and that can be found on page 1016 of the Bibles. That's Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. ...rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught... ...and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy... ...which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world... ...rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form... ...and you have been given fullness in Christ... ...who is the head over every power and authority... In him you were also circumcised, not the putting off of the sin in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks, Amy, for reading. Uh, good afternoon, friends. Uh, my name is Tawanda. I'm one of the student ministers uh, here at church, if we haven't met. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk to you after church, uh, if we haven't talked uh, before. Um, let us pray as we come to uh, hear God's word this afternoon. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, your word is true and that your word is, um, is, is sufficient to, to train us and to rebuke us and to teach us for all godliness. Now, Father, as we come to hear your word, may you speak to us. Amen. Um, as we start uh, this afternoon, um, I've got a question for you. Is there a gift that you have received, but you haven't gotten around to use that gift? Uh, or maybe stay is sitting in your cupboard somewhere? Um, yeah, it could be maybe, I don't know, a birthday gift or wedding gift or something that were given by somebody uh, as a gift, and you haven't gotten around to use it. Maybe for those uh, younger who are here, it could be maybe a toy. You've got many toys that were given, and maybe you haven't gotten around to open and use all of them. As I was preparing this sermon, I uh, was trying to think, what is it for me? It uh, should be helpfully, helpfully reminded me that we actually have a wedding gift from our wedding six years ago which we haven't used at all in the past six years. It's sitting in a monarch locked somewhere at our friend's place in Zimbabwe where we left a few of our belongings when we were coming to Sydney to study. We haven't used it for six years. You may be wondering, what is that gift? Well, it is an electric fry pan that we got. I wanted to bring a physical one today here because we got given another one last year by somebody and we haven't used it again. <laughs> uh, so since there's something to do with uh, electric fry pans with us. But anyways, the thing is we, we, we got given this gift, but we haven't gotten around to use it. And this, uh, today we are coming to the end of our series uh, on the church and we look at what is the church. And I think of baptism as a gift that Jesus gave us to, as, as the church. And I think at times, we treat it just like that uh, gift of mine that we locked somewhere and we have, we've intact it uh, for six years. Of course, part of that time we were here, but we lived in Zimbabwe three years after our marriage before we came here, so uh, it's not just about coming to Australia. You see, baptism, as we've heard in the kids' talk, is one of the sacraments that Jesus gave to the church. And I wonder if we are making the most of it. I think most of us, we are not opposed to the idea uh, of baptism. But the question is, are we making the most of this great gift Jesus has given to the church? You see, a sacrament, it's it's a very churchy kind of word. So you may be asking, what's a sacrament? It is a visible outward sign that shows the invisible reality of what God has done. They are like an enactment or a drama of something that is deeper that we can't see with our eyes. I'm not sure if that is clear yet, but if you stay with me as we look into Romans chapter 6, so the first Bible reading, if you could keep your Bibles open uh, to Romans chapter 6 uh, on page 970. That would be good as we, as we look into this great gift that God has given us. As we seek to hear, what, is, what does God have to say about this baptism? But I need to admit right away that baptism is one of the issues over which Christians have disagreed a lot over the centuries. Even now, they still do. And in some times in the past, some people even died For their beliefs on baptism. If you check church history, there's a man called Balthasar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name well. Uh, But on the 10th of March, 1528, he was burned at the stake in Vienna because of his views on baptism. Three days later, his wife was thrown uh, into the nude river with a stone tied around her neck to drown because of their views on baptism. So I want to say, as we look at this, it's it's also not a trivial issue. Some people have paid their lives because of what they held as what God teaches about it. And of course, there have been lots of debates and conversations about it. But I want to say today, we're not going to be uh, spending a lot of time trying to figure out which mode of baptism, you know, sprinkling or immersion or which uh, type of baptism, infant baptism or uh, believer's baptism. Why? Because I also think if we look back or even you look around right now, Bible-believing Christians, Jesus-loving Christians who differ on some of these issues can still fellowship together. And I think even in this room, we may not all think the same but I think there's a right place for us to fellowship together, even if we have some differences on on how we understand some of those things. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to pass those differences. But what I need to do today is to do what I think we should do with any matter of our Christian work, is to ask, what does the Bible say about this matter? What does the Bible say? What does God say about this issue? And we're going to focus on two things. So it's to be a very simple sermon with two points. What is baptism, and why is baptism important? Two things. So let's start by considering, what are we doing when we baptize somebody? What is baptism? Well, first of all, baptism. We need to know that it is a sign. It is a symbol. It represents or it points to something else. When you see someone being baptized, there is a meaning behind there. They are signifying something else. Just like when you see a sign driving into the city. Usually the sign is put outside of the city saying, welcome to Sydney. But if you go there and stop there and say, I've been to Sydney, you may not know what is actually in the city. So you don't stop at the sign, but you go to what the sign is pointing to. Come with me to Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 4. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through his baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. What is Paul saying here? We have been baptized into Christ. We have been baptized into his death, he says. So, two things we are being baptized into Christ, we are being baptized into his death. What is he saying? I think he's trying to talk about us being united with Christ. We have been united with Jesus. That's why we, you hear Christians saying we are in Christ. We are in Christ because we are united with him. But then are we saying baptism unites us with Christ? I don't think we can say so. Because Paul, if you read the first, uh, you know, this is chapter 6, the first few chapters, he talks of faith. That it is through faith that we are made God's people. It is through faith that we become children of Abraham. It is through putting our faith in Jesus that we are saved. So it is not baptism that saves us. It is not baptism that makes us Christian. It is not baptism that makes us united with Christ. But baptism is a sign that we are united with Christ through faith. Friends, it is by faith alone that we come into a relationship with Christ. Hear what Paul says in chapter 5, just uh, the chapter before this. Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So we have We've come into this grace, which we now stand by faith, through faith in Jesus. But the thing is, faith is not seen. Faith is internal. And I think that's why Jesus gave us sacraments that can be seen as a sign of the faith that cannot be seen. That's why we say baptism is an outward, a visible sign that we are united to Christ by faith. It's a physical symbol of the inward spiritual reality that we belong to Christ and we are united with him. See, it's like a wedding ring. Just, I don't know if you can see mine here. A wedding ring shows that I I have a relationship, I have a commitment, I made vows to my wife Shupi. None of you were in Harare in July of 2012 when I did make those vows. But when you see me walking around with this ring, you, you, you know that this man is, is married. And I guess there are codes on which, 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 which finger you put your ring to signify certain things. But you know that you know, I made some vows to someone. I'm united to someone. I'm in a relationship with someone because of the physical sign that I carry around. And yes, you can go and buy a ring and put it on your finger without being married. It doesn't make you married. Baptism is a sign that points to our relationship, to our being united with Christ. Does not make us Christian. But in this passage, Paul says... Something even more specific It's not just a general sign of our just being generally united with Christ. He goes even to be more specific about how and which, which element of being united with Christ is being signified by our baptism. So in chapter 6 verse 4, he says, We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You see, Paul is saying in baptism, we are declaring, it's a, we are signifying, in particular, our unity with Jesus in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. So Christ died for our sins and he was buried. And on the other hand, because we are united with him, our old self that was living enslaved to sin also died. As we put our faith in, we don't live according to our old self anymore for it died and it was buried with Jesus. But Jesus did not stay dead. He was raised to life. He was raised to a new life. He was raised to a victorious life. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, it tells us that when he was raised, he was raised to sit on the right hand of the Father, where he reigns. It's a place of power where he's sitting right now. So Jesus is living a life of victory, a life of power. He is leading his church today. And the same is true for us. When you baptize somebody, You don't stay underwater, otherwise you go to see the Lord sooner if they don't take you out quick. We we come out to signify that we are also rising to a new life as a Christian. Rising to a new life of trusting God. Rising to a new life of living our lives for Jesus. I remember in the youth group where I grew up, we used to sing a song called I'm a New Creation. I don't know if anyone knows that song, and I'm going to do something a bit weird here. I'm going to just start singing the song. So it says, um, I'm a new creation, I'm a brand new man. All my sins have passed away, I'm born again, more than a congara. Anyway. If we're in Africa, people would just start singing with me. (laughs) Um, But the song says, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. I'm born again. And friends, when we get baptized, that's the message we are saying. My old self died and was buried with Christ. The one that you see now is a new person, a saved person, a person whose identity is wrapped around Jesus and what he has done. Same writer of this letter, Paul, in the book of Galatians, chapter 2 20, he writes this I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, friends, baptism is all about Jesus. It's not a church tradition that the church thought they would pick up and just do for the fun of it. It's, it's a visible sign of the gospel we proclaim that Jesus came down. The Son of God became man. He lived. He died for our sins. And he was buried. And he rose again to new life. So I guess the question now is, how is this important for us now? Sitting in Sydney so many years after this event of Jesus' burial and, res- and, and coming back again to life. So, we're going to turn to our second point, which is the importance of baptism. Why is baptism important for you and for me? And as we, as we do this, I hope we are going to be considering how we can really make use of this great gift God has given us and not keep it shoved somewhere uh, in your cupboard or somewhere like my gift. I hope we are going to reconsider, maybe you're a Christian, you haven't been baptized, to consider if this is something that you want to take seriously and consider doing. So why is baptism important? I've got five reasons and we are done. The first one is quite simple and clear. Jesus commanded it. It's a command from Jesus. Jesus so as we read the gospels as Brad was saying and encouraging us here in John chapter 4 verse 1 we see that Jesus in his ministry he also baptized people and we hear that in John chapter He was baptizing more people than John the Baptist And at the end of his ministry, Jesus ended with these famous words, which have been recorded and are known as the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Two things here are clear. Jesus said the church should continue baptizing people. He commanded the church to baptize people. It's a command from Jesus. I know in the West, people here, they think and they want you to lay down the reasons. Uh, it's hard for, to tell someone that you know, this is just a command from our Lord, and we'll take it as, as it is. But this is what it is, Jesus commanded us, baptize them. But also the second thing is that the command is still standing, but he says, I am with you to the very end of the age, and I think it's fair to assume that the baptism and the thing that he's talking about should continue happening to that end of the age when He's going to come back again. So we are still in the time where baptism is to happen. Second reason why baptism is important. See, through baptism, we remember the gospel in our fight with sin. We remember the gospel in our fight with sin. This is what Paul is talking about. This is the main issue Paul is addressing in in, in Romans chapter 6. So in verse 1 here, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? You see, there are some people who are asking that if God acts in his grace so that he forgives us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, doesn't it follow that if we just continue sinning, it means God's grace is going to abound. There will be more grace provided by God to meet the increasing sin. And Paul says it's a big no. It can't. He says Don't you see the message we proclaim when we get baptized? We are proclaiming a message that our old self, that that was enslaved to sin, has died, and we are being, uh, we are rising up as to, to, to a new life. How can you want to continue living the old life under sin? So we cannot continue living in sin. Paul says. but this doesn't mean that we are saying as Christians we we no longer sin. That would be a lie. We have not yet reached perfection, brothers and sisters. We are still living in a world where uh, it's marked by sin. But the difference is we are no longer living under the power of sin. We are no longer living enslaved to sin because Jesus has freed us through his death. And his resurrection and raising us into this new life. Christ has set us free. He forgave our past sin. And even right now, he gives us power through the spirit to fight sin. And Paul is saying here, one of the ways we fight sin is to remember the gospel. Is to remember our baptism. To remember what that baptism meant to remember what that baptism signified and to wake up and say, I cannot live to my old self again because Christ has freed us. Uh, I want to ask you, church, how are you going living the life, the new life that Christ has given us? How are you going living in light of the truth that we proclaim in baptism as a church? And what does it look like for you? see, for me, I look back at my former life. Before I knew Christ, I could pick up two words to describe me then. Fear was one of them, and also pride is another. Fear, as in, I used to live in fear of spiritual powers. Fear of what I was told about ancestral spirits. And even though I heard things about Jesus growing up, I trusted what I was hearing about these spirits so that I lived my life in fear of them. I also lived my life as my own savior, trying to be a good person, as good as I can, so that I thought that could gain me points before God. But coming to Christ changes all that. The life that I live now, in trusting God, has no fear of spirits. And the life that I live now, I don't trust in myself anymore. I know I'm a wretched sinner with a great savior. And that changes everything. Friends, so each time we come to baptism, either our own baptism or we come to witness a baptism here at church, it is a great opportunity for us to reflect on that truth. And at times even to consider recommitting ourselves before God to assess our lives, to assess the way we are living. Is it consistent with the baptism that we proclaim? And at times it's worthy, us committing ourselves again to God, saying, Father, I want to, to to live in this newness of life again. It's not becoming a Christian again. You become a Christian only once, but you can recommit yourself to God at different points of your life as you assess and see how you're working. In the movie Fireproof, uh, that this doctor, when he goes to, his, um, to the hospital where he worked, he would remove his, his, his wedding ring so that um, no one would know that he was married. And apparently he was actually uh, having this flirting relationship with a married woman. But when reality comes and he was challenged, he looked in his drawers and opened and held his, his wedding ring and looked at it for some time before he put it back on his finger. And I thought as he was looking at that ring, he was reflecting and thinking of the commitment he made to his wife, and how that was inconsistent with what he was doing. And I pray that as we come to baptism each time, we stop and we think and we reflect and we see, and hopefully God will help us to rethink of our relationship with Jesus and how we are living that. The third reason why baptism is important, through baptism, we publicly proclaim the gospel. See, through baptism, as we said, we are, we are proclaiming the message of what Jesus did, that he died and he was buried and he was raised. So those who come to witness baptism, there's an opportunity for them to see, in reality, what cannot be seen now. That's why baptism is a public event because we are publicly proclaiming the gospel we believe. This is why, as a church, we encourage you to invite your friends, to invite your neighbors when you are being baptized, to invite your family to say, come, I'm being baptized, because through that, you give them an opportunity to see what you believe. You have an opportunity to proclaim to all those people that this is what I believe, that the life I live now, I live united with Christ. I live as a new creature because of what God has done. It is a wonderful place to proclaim the gospel. So if you are still to be baptized, go on and invite invite lots of people. It's a great opportunity to proclaim the gospel. But for some, they live in places where you can't do it so publicly. In some places, it will cost your life to be found being baptized. Thank God that in Sydney, as far as I know, you can go and get baptized anyway, go down to the harbor and get baptized without fear. Shall we take that opportunity to invite people and to make it public and to publicly stand with Jesus through baptism? See, through baptism, we also affirm our unity. The fourth reason why baptism is so important. We affirm our unity as a church because Paul is saying we have died with Christ. We have been raised with Christ. But to hear his language. He's not saying you as an individual you have died with Christ, which is true that we are saved, of course, as individual Christians. But he's using this corporate language that we have done this together. And in baptism, as we celebrate someone being baptized here, we are all saying, you know, we have been connected to this same Christ that this same this person who is being baptized. Is also connected to. A few weeks ago we looked at how you know, there's the universal church of believers all over the world and how we are a part of that and through baptism we even express that we, we are together with all those who have been united with Christ and this is important because as we come to church We have got different nationalities, levels of education, you know, capacities of doing different things, but we are all saying we are united to the same Christ as we go through the same baptism. And that is the power of the gospel. And fifth and lastly, through baptism, we proclaim our future, the future resurrection. You see, baptism rightly points to what Christ has done in his death and resurrection our, and our being united with him there. It points to the reality that we live now, that we are living a new life. But also it points to the future. It's a sign of the future reality because as Christ was raised, yes, we've been raised to live our new life as Christians now, but there is another being raised that is another resurrection coming. We are going to be raised at the last time when Christ is going to come. Read with me verse 5 of of Romans 6. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Yes, we are going to die. But there's a difference if we are united with Jesus because we are going to be raised with him to eternal life. Death is not the last word for those who are united with Jesus. That's another message that we proclaim in baptism. As we are being raised, it's not just being raised to a a Christian life now and you die and that's it. No, we are being raised with a future hope of being raised to eternal life with Jesus. This is great news, friends. But in this life, at times we can be faced with such difficult situations or debilitating health issues but to know that I am united with Jesus and Jesus was raised to life. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father and he reigns all eternity. And it means for you and me, if we are united with him, we have assurance, we have this certain hope that we also live with him through all eternity. This changes everything. This changes the way we come to death. But then, what does this mean for us. What is our take home today? As a church, I want to say let's take the privilege to rejoice and celebrate with those who are baptized, knowing that we are, we are remembering what Jesus has done. Let's use those opportunities when we have baptisms to reflect on what Jesus has done. We have many of them, I've witnessed a few during my time here. It's a great opportunity for us to reflect on the truth. It's not just for us to sit passive oh, I've done that 20 years ago, I'm just sitting there and watching someone be baptized. It's 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 an opportunity for all of us to reflect on this truth. And also let us try to make our baptism public. Let's stand with Jesus in every way we can, inviting people to witness our own baptism if we are still to be baptized. But as an individual, I want to say how have you approached this this issue of baptism? Well, it's it's, it's possible that for some, it has struck fear or confusion or even neglect because of the so many conversations and so many debates and so many books about baptism and different modes and types of baptism. I I, I know I haven't addressed all that is to be said about baptism in this sermon, but I'm hoping that at least we have gone to understand what at the basic level baptism means because it is about Jesus, it is about our being united with him and that Jesus is the one who commanded it. So I hope that that will encourage us to really celebrate and make use of this gift and not to neglect it and leave it somewhere in the shelf um, like I did with my wedding present. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the great gift you have given us in baptism. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us baptism as a visible sign for us to remember and reflect upon the truth of the great invisible truths of the gospel. We thank you, Father, that our old self, which was enslaved to sin, was buried with Christ. Father, may you please help us to live in the newness of life by the power of your Holy Spirit. May you help us, Father, to make the most of this great gift of baptism. Amen.